Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 29, the Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night, tomorrow, in Las Vegas, Nevada, back at the Apex. You got one of the most exciting fighters in the history of the sport, the Korean Zombie, taking on the very hungry Dan Ige in what should be one hell of a main event, Shaq. Yeah, man, I mean, after Dan Ige's last fight, I kind of had a feeling he was going to get a big fight. You go out there and knock guys out in, what was it, less than a minute, if I'm not mistaken, like, what, 40 seconds, uh, something like that. I mean, you can expect to get a big fight. He had a good showing against Calvin Cater in that main event in Abu Dhabi, and he went five tough rounds. So, uh, you know, he's looking to redeem himself in this main event spot against Zombie, and, you know, Zombie's one of my favorite fighters of all time. I mean, when I... We know that this guy is gonna put himself on the line for the for the sake of the fans. He even if he gets out, look for example. I know it, it might have been a stupid move in hindsight, but uh, that Yair fight. I mean, you know, he one could say he was he would have probably won a decision, but uh, you know, my boy Zombie, you know, he went out there on his shield and unfortunately he got knocked out. And you know, the last one he fought, he looked you know spectacular in that fight. But I know Zombie's looking to bounce back and and get back to some of those vicious knockouts like when he fought uh, Moicano and Frankie, you know. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And I mean, Zombie's a guy that you can just not count out because, for example, the Yair fight, which you pointed to, he looked great in that fight. But then the the finishing result was devastating. We were questioning how's he going to bounce back. Well, the way he bounced back knocks Moicano's head into the fifth row, destroys Frankie Edgar. And then he kind of has a little bit of an off night against Brian Ortega. Was it truly an off night? Was it a sign that maybe the, all the wars have started to catch up to him? That's what I really can't wait to find out because I'm not quite ready to ride off the zombie just because of one bad performance. Now, if, it, if he makes it two bad performances in a row, that'll be a different story. But we still got to see that. And one thing I know about Dan Ige, he's hungry, man. He hits like a truck. He's got a good ground game. Uh, I just know this fight's going to be exciting, Shaq. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, in the co-main, we got you know the young heavy uh, heavyweight um, submission grappler versus the old heavyweight submission grappler, man. So I'm excited about that one. Too. Yeah, I am as well, man. I mean, when you talk about Olenek, the guy's got 46 submissions on his record. He brought back the Ezekiel choke to MMA. But this kid Spivak is almost like a young version of Olenek. On his regional scene, he was tapping guys out with schoolyard headlocks. And in fact, I think that he might even look up to Olenek because if you go through Spivak's um, Instagram page, Olenek's like liking all his pictures. And like, I think they may, might, may even have some kind of friendship. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out, too. Yeah, you know, Alexi's big bro to these these young European heavyweights, man. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, obviously, we're going to break down this whole car start to finish. Um, firstly, thank you to all our fans for being here. I know our normal time is Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. My power went out, but the show must go on. So, thank you all for being here with us right here, right now. Now, we got to give a shout-out to uh, our sponsor, Manscaped, uh, as usual. So, guys, summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? You're in luck because our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation performance package, which includes... The Lawn Mower 4.0, which is what I'm holding in my hands right here. You heard that right. The 4.0. Compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining, 
and calling your name, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code battle 20. And guys, I mean, listen, we always talk about being ready for a short notice opportunity. And for example, you know how my power was out yesterday. Well, guess what? There's no excuses when you got the lawnmower 4.0. It's got that badass LED light. So power, no power. I'm ready for any kind of opportunity that comes my way. And it just has to increase your confidence knowing that uh, Manscaped's got your back like that. And guys, it's time to bundle up with Manscaped uh, Performance Package 4.0. And inside this package, you'll receive their Lawnmower 4.0, which is what I'm holding. Also, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Got to, gotta, you know, shaping up for uh, the summer. And the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. So uh, no matter the occasion, you got to make sure you smell good down there. The Crop Reviver Toner. The Performance Boxer Briefs, which feel amazing. And a, tra- a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the new uh, Performance Package 4.0, it includes the new Lawnmower 4.0, and this trimmer is insane, and dare I say the goat of ball trimmers. Yeah, I said it. Their fourth-generation trimmers features a a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor and a new multifunction on-off switch which can engage a travel lock. So, you know, you put that in uh, your uh, suitcase uh, when you go on that trip. It's not going to destroy any of your things. And it gives you the ability to turn on what I told you all about, the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. So power outage, no excuse. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? In the shower or in the wild, from your chest to pubes all the way down to your ball fro, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop the worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. The Weed Whacker is also uh, waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. And uh, I just got to say how badass it is. And the nose and air here... The nose and ear hair trimmer provides a proprietary skin-safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate spots. Seal the deal with Manscaped liquid formulations before heading outside. Use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to keep you on your game in the heat. Then after trimming the lawn um, and whacking the weeds in the heat, give your beach balls a boost and use Crop Reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Now, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped Shack. So, y'all, if y'all ain't on Manscaped yet, go to manscaped.com. Use that code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Shaq, you got anything to say about uh, these badasses at Manscaped that have been taking care of us so well? Yeah, man. I mean, if I had to make a comparison, I would just say, uh, you know, Manscaped's like dealing with the the GSP or a a Khabib, uh, um, you know, maybe a John Jones or something like that. So, uh, Manscaped's number one in the game, hands down. Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's break down this whole car start to finish. And first up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Laura Procopio. She's seven to one. She's taking on Casey O'Neill, Scotland's Casey O'Neill, who's six and oh. And I know Scotland's Paul Craig just got a big win over my favorite prospect, Jamal Hill, via submission. Casey O'Neill is also a submission specialist. So we'll see if she can follow suit. 
And uh, currently, they got Laura Procopio minus 160. The comeback on Casey O'Neill is plus 150. So, listen, Laura Procopio, she's a Nova Uniao black belt. She actually had a very good fight with Carol Hosa. It was a split decision. I personally thought that Carol Hosa definitely won the fight, but I respect the kind of effort that Procopio put up. And then in her next fight against Molly McCann, she dominated Molly McCann. And when we talk about Casey O'Neill, like I said, she's a submission specialist. You don't want to. You know, you, you don't want to be dominating her and then leave your arm in there and let her take it home because she will do that. And in that fight with Molly McCann, even though it was a domination, even though I scored every round for Procopio, there were a couple moments. I know Shaq remembers that deep arm bar that Molly McCann had made all the Procopios uh, better sweat. So the reason I bring that up is because in a fight like this where I think that Laura is going to be dominating the majority of it, you just got to be careful of these little moments where she could potentially get finished with a submission along the way. So that's my only concern, but my pick is Laura Procopio to get it done, most likely via decision, Shaq. Yeah, this is a tough one because O'Neal, she's a big girl, and I think she's got a good size advantage here. Laura Procopio, she is a 125-er, but she even uh, seems a little small for that weight class. I'm, I'm saying that because she fought um, Carol Rosa in her debut, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, I liked what I saw from her in that fight. Uh, she had a good steady pace. She never backed up. I mean, she got dropped in that fight, kept going, so I, I had a lot of respect for Procopio. She backed that up against... Um, McCann, look, I, I think O'Neill's a good prospect, and there's a chance that she might even be a better prospect than uh, what a lot originally thought, or you know, maybe she lives up to that. But you know what? I, I just feel like Larry Procopio is currently more farther along. That fight with Shayna Dobson was a good pace that she set on her, and she definitely finished her. And I and I actually will respect that uh, performance, even though it is Shayna Dobson. But at the same time, it is Shayna Dobson. So I just want to see a little bit more. So I'm I'm gonna go with. Uh, Lara Procopio, just because she's been in there with Carol Rosa, who I I don't know if she's top 15 yet, but in my opinion, she will be at some point. Um, and the, the fight with McCann was very experienced as well. So I just feel like she's had a tougher strength of schedule. And I think she's going to uh, get the win here just by being more active. And and I'm not sure how many fights, more fights she has than O'Neal, but it just seems like she's got um more experience so just more farther along better decision making even with, i mean some of that in the o'neill fight was just based on short toughness i mean shana dobson and you know is it i mean daniel is shana dobson known for digging down deep i mean you tell me so does I mean, shana dobson didn't. even have a 500 record no she doesn't I, 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 exactly so um hey she did beat agapova I, I will take that back she dug down deep there but it was i mean I, I, uh, agapova i mean that was one of the biggest stunts i've ever seen um <laughs> I go Dobson beat the go. Yeah, I mean, have you Tiger Bomb MMA? Have you seen Agapova since? I mean, <laughs> so uh, big shout out to our boy Jay Weezy. He just donated twenty one dollars to the channel. He said, "Been watching faithfully for years. You guys deserve a bigger platform." Shout out Dan and Shaq. I'll be at UFC two sixty four live. Would be cool to link up with you guys in the future. Hey, thanks so much, Jay Weezy. That means so much to us that uh, you support us like that and. Really hope you enjoy 264. That is that the McGregor and Poirier card, Shaq? Is that in Vegas? Yeah. Um, damn, Jay Weezy, are you a Weezy F Baby fan? Is that is that what the Weezy? I'm just kidding. But, yeah, we appreciate that. And that is the uh, Dustin um, Dustin Connor fight, yeah. So, hold on. Jay Weezy, you from uh, Louisiana? You supporting your boy Dustin Poirier? Is that what I'm hearing? Because we are, too. So, you know what I mean? Uh, much respect, man. Hey, thank you so much for supporting the channel. And one more thing. Um Brian Jameson said, "Let's go Sixers." Hey, so you all got you all got two two games to get it done, but I just don't think it's gonna happen. It's over tonight, man. It's over tonight. Yeah, I like that ice cold Trey shirt you got. <laughs> so, uh, 
They, they don't know shit about that. Um, listen, the thing is, you guys might have the better club, but we got the we got the bigger heart. We are dogs, and we'll fight to the bitter end, and that's what's hey, going to happen tonight. Philly, Philly's been doing a lot of Atlanta shit lately, man. I mean, they're blowing leads. I mean, uh, they, they might need to change them to the, the, to the uh, F- Philadelphia Falcons or something like that, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, right? Well, now, now you all know how we feel, so uh, welcome to our world, but we loyally still support our teams. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Joaquin Neto BJJ Silva. He's 11 and 2. He's taking on Ricky Glenn, who's 21 and 6. Uh, so, my boy Rick goes by Ricky now. Cool. Whatever. Joaquin is minus 130. The comeback on Ricky Glenn is plus 120. Shaq, I love this fight, man. I mean, two vets, two exciting fighters. I mean, Ricky Glenn is a guy that I know you remember when he beat um, Georgie Karakanian in the World Series of Fighting. That was a massive deal back in the day. He even won the World Series of Fighting belt, and um, he was the champion back then. And like, then he makes it to the UFC, had the fight of the night with Dunham. And Ricky Glenn is one of these guys that, offensively speaking, man, I love his Muay Thai. His kicks are super hard. He, he's long as hell, six foot one. And he's just a well rounded guy. Good knees in the clinch. He's, I, I mean, the guy's had 28 pro fights. Um, I, I think that he's a real badass. And then Yoki and Silva, I love this guy too, man. He comes from um, Evolucion Thai in Brazil. Obviously, you know, they produced Francisco Trinaldo who is such a beast. They produced uh, Bruno Blindado Silva, who's fighting later on this card. So I just think this is going to be a great uh, a great fight. Look, Joaquin Silva, he throws big bombs. And I think, you know, Ricky Glenn's probably going to throw the straighter shots. And oftentimes, I do think that the straighter shots beat the loopy shots. However, the issue here, I mentioned how Ricky Glenn offensively, I really like what I see. It's just defensively is where I have an issue. And what I mean by that is it's not like Ricky Glenn is getting knocked out or anything like that, but he's one of these guys that he'll mark up easily. You can probably wobble him with some big shots so even though he might have better technique than Joaquin I think that Joaquin is going to kind of bruise him up a little bit down the stretch start to mark up his face and probably get a decision but most likely uh yeah I mean most likely get a decision but possibly possibly get a knockout along the way too I wouldn't write that off and then to take it a step further his nickname is Neto BJJ don't don't sleep on his black belt yeah I know you remember that uh that knee bar he hit on um, on Jared Gordon. Now he ended up finishing the fight by knockout, but he also broke the he tore the guy's knee too. And Jared Gordon's a very tough guy. You know Jared wasn't gonna tap. I'm gonna go with Joaquin Silva, man. Um, and I'm not worried about the big layoff on either side, man. These two guys are true vets, and they look like they're in fantastic shape. I just expect a great fight. I'm gonna go with Joaquin Silva to win, Shaq. Yeah, um, it's a tough fight, Rick Glenn. I mean, he's got some nice wins. Uh, not only Karakanyan, but he uh, was the first guy to beat Gavin Tucker. He beat Dennis Bermuda. So, I mean, Rick Glenn's uh, been there and done that. You know, I'm a big fan of um, Neto BJJ. Always have been since uh, his debut. I mean, look, Neto BJJ is one of these guys where I, de- I, I see him as the, the – uh, I see this matchup favoring him, but there, there's there's got to be some concerns. You know, there there's some concerns about the amount of damage that he was taking in some of those fights. And with that big, you know, muscly physique, I mean, look, his speed is definitely, uh, he's definitely not known for his speed or anything like that. You know, Neto BJJ, he's very stiff, he's very slow, and he and he kind of wins a lot of these fights, you know, on, on sheer heart, man. I mean, this guy, uh, you know, is a, a paratrooper in the army, like, um, but in terms of, you know, how he looks versus how he's going to fight, it's probably not going to match up. Look, the Jared Gordon fight, that was a great win. But if I said that there wasn't a smorgage board of trouble that presented itself in that fight, 
I mean, look, he got through it. Props to him. Um, and then what about his fight with Reza Madadi? You know, another very close fight. Um, a split decision. It was in Sweden. But, I mean, look, Menno BJJ, he, he does slow down. You know, that, I mean, he's got a lot of heart and he'll push through. But the punch speed, the, the defense, um, you know, all that stuff is probably going to deter down the stretch. Oh, look, if Rick Glenn can pull off a comeback like he has in the past, that will necessarily wouldn't surprise me. My thing with Rick Glenn is that last fight, I don't know how to take that. I know Kevin Aguilar was like on a serious win streak at the time. And, you know, uh, he did also beat Barzola. He did also beat Barzola after that too. So, you know, that was probably the height of uh, Kevin Aguilar's little run there. But, you know, Rick Glenn, he missed way for that fight. He, that was the first time I've really seen him get like, I mean, Rick Glenn is known for taking shots. I mean, that's what Nick Rick Glenn is known for. I mean, you, to hit, you could hit this guy as hard as you possibly can and it won't phase him. Um, it's just I actually do think he's got, like, a nice high guard defensively. Um, I think that last fight was more so, I mean, he missed weight by, like, three or four pounds, if I'm not mistaken, and, and he hasn't been since. But, um, man, I heard Neto BJJ actually moved to, to America, like New Jersey or something like that, uh, with Nicholas Mata, you know, my boy Nicholas Mata, um, with uh, that Farai. Um, and then, um, you know, I heard Rick Glenn was doing the home gym thing. You know, he left Alpha Male, and, you know, he's back in um, – where, where is he from? Some Somewhere out there. Um, I want to say, like, Wisconsin or Iowa or something. So, But I'm going to go with Neto BJJ. But I, I think it's going to be a back-and-forth fight. Um, you know, both guys coming off a layoff. Maybe both guys are gun-shy. Both got – I mean, Neto took a, a nap in his last fight. And, and uh, Rick Gann got really busted up for, like, the first time. I mean, you know, when he loses, like, the Miles Jury fight, that was just more because, you know, Jury – you know, nice little dancer point fighter and, you know, some of his other fights as well. But that last one was, who knows, maybe it was a red flag. There's always a chance. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we've got a match between Josh Parisian. He's 13 and four. He's taking on Roki Martinez, who's 15 and seven. Currently, they got Josh Parisian minus 130. The comeback on Roki Martinez is plus 120. So, I got to give Roki Martinez a lot of credit. You know, um, I know we joke around a lot on the show. I know we can be or I can be harsh at times. I said that, you know, I'd rather see uh, Roki Martinez battle obesity than I would see him fight someone in the octagon. Well, look, man, this guy, he lost a lot of weight. I saw him on the scales today. It looks like he's been starting to take things a little bit more seriously. So I'm happy now. Now he should be in the octagon. It's just that. You know, I'm not quite sure if the skills are quite up to par. I know he's a tough and durable guy. I know he can get his butt whooped and keep going. It's just um, I'm not quite sure he's got the skills to win at this level. Josh Parisian, um, I, I know he's from the Michigan scene, but he is not boys with, uh, you know, with Hill or with, uh, you know, with uh, Big Dog Brett Martin or Chaos Williams. They're actually, I think they have, they have a bit of a rivalry. But he still comes from that good scene in Michigan. I think that Parisian is just going to be the bigger, more physical guy here. And I think he gets his uh, first UFC win here. Look, I, I understand he lost to Parker Porter. Parker Porter is a very experienced guy. So is Roki Martinez. I just see a little more skills on the Josh Parisian side. I think that he probably takes him down and has some some good work on top. So I'm going to go Parisian and get this one done, my man. Yeah, you know, Parisian had a good fight. And uh, you know, look, I, I just don't really – he just seems like that. You know, look, I'm not saying Parisian's much better, but Martinez, man. Um, hey, he did beat Dalun. You know, he beat Dalun Jung back in the day. Um, he, he did. Was he was Dalun Jung's first loss. He was Dalun Jung's first loss. Yeah, but hey, 
That's a win on his resume. So he's beaten somebody before. It's just, yeah, man, I mean, he's very predictable. His game plan, I mean, it's just duck and chuck. I mean, I mean, he's a tough guy, but there's nothing special to the that he brings to the table, like, at all. Not saying that Parisian is anything, but look at Parisian's game. He's got some spins. He's got some kicks. He's got punches. It's clear that he has the more, you know, well-rounded style. Um, look, the Parker Porter fight, I know he let a lot of people down. I know he was a big favorite in that fight, but I, I, I wasn't that not saying uh, that I wasn't surprised, like, how it turned out, but I going into it, I thought it should have been lying closer. Parker Porter, you know, he fought my boy Dawkins in his debut. You know, Dawkins is out here. on the regionals. Exactly. Like, Parker just got, I mean, he just, he didn't know what hit him that debut, man. Like, Chris is out here with, I mean, Chris is out here putting dudes away in less than a couple of minutes, man. So, um, I, I. It didn't really. I, I feel like you know people are a little hard, a little too hard on him coming into this spot. I think he's gonna get the win here, just keeping the distance. I, but I see it being like probably like you know a sloppy, shitty, three round you know heavyweight type of type of fight. Maybe Parisian, but Ro, he's just a tough man. You, you know, it, he's you're gonna have to really like put him unconscious to uh to uh, get him out of there. But I'm gonna go with Parisian by decision. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between. Kalen Chaos Williams. He's eleven and two. He's taking on Matt Semi the Jedi Semmelsberger, who's eight and two. Currently, they got Chaos Williams minus one forty. The comeback on Matthew Semmelsberger is plus one thirty. I love this fight, Shaq. Obviously, two very very heavy hitters um, in Chaos Williams and Matt Semmelsberger. Two very physical guys. Two guys that can get the takedowns. And if you haven't been quite, you know, showing up uh, to your strength and conditioning days, these are not the guys that uh, you want to fight, my friend. But here's the thing: I, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about Chaos Williams that he's first rounder bust, and this. I just, I disagree with that, man. I thought that you know his fight coming into the UFC, like the one right before when he fought uh, Jeremy Holloway, I thought he dominated him, man. He showed he can win a three round decision and. It's not his fault that Alex Morano and Razak couldn't last uh, even a minute with him. But then that next fight against uh, Pereira, despite the loss, like, and, and I did score it for Pereira, but despite the loss, I still thought that Chaos showed that, like, hey, he's a competitive guy. He can go out there. He can fight tough for three rounds. So I do not think he's a first-rounder bust guy. And Semmelsberger, not, not to discredit his level of competition, even though I'm about to do that, you know, he fought – listen, he fought Carlton Minus, which, listen, here's the reality. If you bet on Carlton Minus, your account will be in the minus. And Jason Witt, I mean, Jason Witt's chin – rhymes with his name if you know what i mean so it's one of those situations where i don't take much from it but the way he handled them i'm impressed with he handled them accordingly they didn't have any moments of success against him so matt semmelsberger's been doing his thing it's just that i think he's kind of running into the wrong guy at the wrong time right now man i think that chaos williams you know i think he can match him in power and physicality but more importantly in experience so i'm saying chaos williams either by knockout or by decision uh chaos is my pick yeah, Semmelsberger, he's looked good. The competition's definitely been lower than Chaos. is not his fault at all. Chaos, look, there's obviously something there. He did uh, beat Murano and, and Razak Alassane. I don't think it's uh, first on our bus. I mean, I think Michelle Pereira is very underrated. Um, I know he's got some bad losses to, like, Tristan and, and uh, Dusko, uh, you know, et cetera, a bunch of other guys. But I, I truly think that he's a better fighter than um, – and Diego Sanchez and stuff like that. I truly think he's a better fighter than than his record indicates. And uh, I thought it was a good showing. Yeah, I mean, look, could chaos have thrown more? But I, I think that'll all come. Now, from a betting side of things, look, this is where I feel like this could possibly be playing with fire. 
I don't have any reasons to fade Matthew Simmelsberger. Matthew Simmelsberger, I mean, has come out here and he's put away his guy. The first fight uh, with Minus was on like a day or two notice. Um, that was like a last minute fight. And then the, um, I mean, he put on Jason Wynn. I mean, we can sit here and say the competition was uh, low and all that, but the, the the odds maker sure didn't think so. I mean, he was a very slight, uh, a slight favorite. I mean, most people were worried about him getting wrestled and all this you know, stuff like that. And I mean, the fight was over quickly. So I feel like Matthew Simmelsberger could possibly be better than some uh, think. And this could possibly be just be a nice little three round back and forth uh, fight. I still think chaos is green in some areas. Um, I'm interested to see how he comes back after that first L. But this is another thing with him is, is you know, in the in the Pereira fight, and, you know, the Razak Hassan fight. Yeah, those were first round finishes. Let's see how he does in a uh, in a three round fight. Um, you know, with another hard hitter, because I think Simmelsberger, you know, should, should, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if he has that reputation like a chaos or anything like that, but, I mean, this dude, I mean, this dude definitely packs a punch, man, um, he's got a lot of power, football players, so let's see, let's see what happens, man. Absolutely, now, next up in the strawweight division, a matchup I'm really looking forward to, we got Virna Janjidova, she's 16-2, she's taking on Kanako Murata, who's 12-1, and currently, they got Verna Janji Doba minus 120. The comeback on Kanaka Murata is plus 110. So, Shaq, I mean, look, it's jujitsu versus wrestling. Verna, very credentialed black belt, taking on Kanaka Murata, who is bread and potatoes with uh, with her wrestling. I mean, who who do you think is better at their craft, and who do you think ultimately seals the victory? Yeah, it's a it's a tough fight because um, I feel like Jan, uh, Murata has a higher ceiling. You know, Murata, she's got the strong judo um i know she's working on her stand-up at um in america in california somewhere I, I forget the name of the gym it's um man some people train there i forget it but she's been uh training in california her striking i feel like honestly man i feel like uh, i don't know if too many people are high on her but i feel like if the striking can catch up with the strength and the grappling man um you know Murata, I, I see her winning a lot of fights now look i have a lot of respect for janderoba i mean janderoba got thrown to the wolves uh, first fight with Asparza, who's the number one contender. She fought Mackenzie Dern, who I'm also very high on. And that Dern fight, man, I I got to give a lot of credit to both girls because that was a dog fight, man. I mean, both girls were, I mean, chunks were flying up in the air. I mean, eyes were getting swollen. I mean, I mean, it was it was blood. I mean, the, the uh, reporters were getting hit with blood. I mean, that was a dog fight, and I think Janderoba. I think she, I agree with her being favored just because she's seen she's seen the uh, higher level competition. But in the back of my mind, I'm also thinking like I feel like she's an older Brazilian. You know, I feel like I'm not sure exactly how old is she. Um, I'm guessing like 34 or five in that range. Um, my girl Verna. Yeah, she's um, 33. Oh, okay, 33. Not bad. Um, but it just seems like athletically speaking that I I see her hitting a wall at some point. Um. You know, she does get a little fatigued in these fights. And I, I do feel like her striking is getting a little better as well. Um, she can definitely take a punch. I see this being a close fight, man. Just a one-to-one -one going into the third round. And, and it's going to come down to who can get that takedown, who can get the better of that scramble, man. And I'm actually going to go with the uh, – is, is she from Japan? Yes, she is. I'm going to go with the Japanese uh, Murata here. I got a lot of respect for – for uh Janderoba, but I think the strength from um from Murata down the stretch is gonna show, man. I think she's gonna win the win the scrambles and the wrestling um and in the third round. So I'm gonna go with her for the win. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I definitely got to respect the the strength and the wrestling of uh, Murata. It's just that I think Verna Janjiroba is just kind of on a different level grappling-wise. But look, I, I am super biased towards jujitsu uh, fighters, and I think it might be a situation where Verna pulls guard, sweeps, and gets into dominant positions, and we know wrestlers don't like being on their backs. And I've seen a lot of positions that Murata's been in where, you know, better grapplers are going to, are going to seal the deal. And I think that Virna is that better grappler. Now, I did see Rin Nakai tap out uh, Murata, but then again, it was 2016, which is, you know, over half a decade ago. And, you know, it was also up a weight class. So maybe we shouldn't put too much stock in it. But at the same time, that's uh, that's not a good looking loss. Um, but that doesn't matter here. I think that Virna Janjidova is just more seasoned, man, and fought the better competition. And I like her jujitsu game. I think it's very elite. I would not be surprised if she gets a submission here. Um, but then again, you know, sometimes when you get two grapplers, they try to, you know, they try to have a bang fest and see who the better, who the better striker is. And if that happens, I'm not sure because Murata could be making improvements. I know Virna's. Uh, real quick though, sorry to cut you off. About uh, speaking of Rinna Kai, you know, you know, is it a, not a good look because she lost to Misha Tate and Leslie Smith? You know, Misha Tate's a former champ. You know, Leslie Smith beat Irene, Amanda Lemos, and. Uh, <laughs> and she be man. Leslie Smith got some, and Jennifer Maya. Like Leslie Smith got some wins on her record, man. Leslie Smith's that girl that used to give out them first selves. Leslie Smith is twelve and nine. But look, <laughs> I think that I, I mean, look, you you got a point. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, look, I, I personally like. I thought that Rin Nakai was more of like a, you know, like putting on a show, wearing those funny costumes and, you know, having those fights with the ref with the earpieces in Japan, comes over to the States, just does not translate. You mean those fights like Fedor in them? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oops! (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so I I just see this being a little bit different, Um, and I'm very high on Verna Janjidobo's jiu-jitsu, so let's see what happens. Um, Unless it turns into a striking fight, which then I'm not sure, if they go to their strengths, I got Virna via either submission or decision. Now, next up in the 205-pound division, we got a match between Alexa Kamer. He's 6-1. and one. He's taking on Nick Negumiriano, who's 9-1. and one. Currently, they got Alexa Kamer, minus 230. The comeback on Nikolai Negumiriano is plus 210. So, basically, the way I view this fight is that Alexa Kamer, he's a super green guy. And so is Nick, Nick uh, Nagumariano. It's just that Alexa has actually fought better competition, which is crazy to say when you're talking about, you know, Justin Ledet, William Knight, or the the water buffalo, Fabio Sharon. But I think that Alexa's at least proved that, like, he can beat the, like, guys that are about to get cut, which is kind of what I think Nikolai is. But here's my issue. Laying a big price like that on a guy like Alexa Kamer, who is super green, who, you know, has a lot of holes in his game. And with Nagumarano, he got dominated by Safarov. That was two years ago. Maybe he comes back better. I mean, but look at his the guys he's been fighting on his regional scene. It's it's very atrocious. I mean, it's okay to fight a guy with a two and fifteen record, you know, towards the beginning of your career, but two fights before his UFC debut, two and fifteen, ten and thirteen, uh, twelve and forty-one. You know what I'm saying? I'm not exaggerating. He fought a twelve and forty-one guy a couple of fights ago, so I'm just not convinced he's seen that UFC level. Whereas Alexa Kamer, listen, man, he beat Ledette, which which is good. I'm not sure. I'm not even convinced Nick, Nick uh, Nikolai could beat Justin Ledette. Um, had a 
tough fight with William Knight, beat the the water buffalo. So I'm going to go with Alexa Kamer. I just personally can't lay this price on a guy like that. He needs to prove himself a little more. But I think that he's got a little bit more physicality, a little more tools. I just think he's better. So I'll go with Alexa Kamer here. Yeah, man, I, I differ. I differ a lot here, man. I think, um, look, I think, what's his name? Nag, I don't know how to say it. Nagamanu. Um, look, I, I feel like Nikolai. His, Nikolai, his debut, I feel like that was a nightmare. Safarov is a, a dirty Russian. And, you know, look, I don't think he was going to win the fight, but I actually, I'm actually not convinced that Kamora's fought tougher competition. Um, the, I mean, he beat Charant to. To be honest, like Kamora got rocked before that flying knee. Look, I've been I've been very skeptical of Alexa Kamora from day one, and you know the physicality. I disagree with that too because, you know, the Ledet fight. I just think that was uh, more so. He just want. I mean, Ledet makes his own soap, guys. Like I, 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 you know, his own deodorant. Like I don't even have to get into all of that. Um, but the William Knight fight was very alarming to me for the reason was I didn't see any heart in that fight. I, I felt like William Knight kind of just bullied him and had his way with him. I didn't see enough fight on the, I mean, look, I don't consider William Knight a good fighter. Like, I, I, I like William Knight, but <laughs> William Knight's got a lot of technical issues. Look, I like William Knight, man. I don't want to rag on him, but I don't see him lasting in the UFC, um, personally. Um, I mean, just look at his last fight. He looked like a fish out of water. Um, and, and you know, he. I feel like Alexa Kamora, man, he... he ex- this this line doesn't make any sense to me, man. To be quite honest, like I think it's just because he's he trains at Steve Gym. But we want to talk about Nikolai's uh, regional record. I mean, go back and look at some of those Alexa Kamora Ohio uh, regional fights, and and he's got a lot to prove, man. Like I said, the Sharon fight, he got rocked right before that knee. Great knee, props to him. But Sharon, another guy, I'm not convinced. I think he's actually fighting William William Knight, if I'm not mistaken, uh, next. So. We'll see. I mean, you see where all those guys are grouped at and, you know, bottom dwellers, like low, low level. Uh, so I, I just feel like Nikolai is right up on at least even with those guys. I mean, I felt like he showed toughness in that. Like Safarov is mean, dude. Like Safarov throws hard kicks, hard punches, a sambo master. Like Kamora's out here. William Knight ain't got, I mean, not like, look, <laughs> I just think it should be at least like, Minus one seventy, like, like let's not get out of what has this kid done? He landed a fluke knee. He has not backed up any performance since then. I I, I seen uh, Nikolai training with um, Chemaev and Garam and and um, and uh, so, they can't and, uh, fight for him. And but I'm I'm expecting a better guy. You know, I'm expecting a a, a better guy that's gonna you know after two years off. I, I expect a much better guy here. I don't think it's going to go anywhere like that debut did. I have questions about Alexa Kamar's heart, his toughness. That William Knight fight looked like two guys that are going to be cut here within within a year. So um, I just didn't see any heart. The grappling, like William Knight's grappling in some of that in that fight, like he was reaching back for like I was like, what the hell am I watching here, man? This is a this is a UFC uh, level fight, and guess what, guys? It's not. I got Nikolai. Uh, Nagarmanu by I'm gonna say by decision, just more tougher, don't more activity, just uh wanting it more than Alexa Kamor. So that's the 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 that fight I wasn't impressed at all, man. I just felt like Ledet I mean Ledet hasn't been the same since that steroid suspension, man. Um You said Kamer should be minus one seventy. So so why do you favor him then? Um just because he has like three UFC fights. I mean, like that's it. 
Like, that's why I think that it should be in that range. I don't think, like, you know, minus 150 to 170, like, just because he fought, yeah, okay, he fought Ledette and William Knight. <laughs> okay, big whoop. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, my God, those guys are so much tougher than Safarov. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but it's like. Nagumarano yeah. fought a two and fifteen guy and a twelve and forty one guy, you know. So it's like the Ledette and William Knight and the Water Buffalo are like better than those guys, you know what I mean? But I do feel you on the line. I said that myself. I I ain't laying no minus two fifty on Alexa Kamer. You at your fucking mind? But it's like I don't have faith in Nikolai either. You know what I mean? I mean, why would you? I mean, it's it's not about what you've seen. It's about you know, lying sometimes. You know, it's just this is like it's like. It's like uh, when uh, Vanessa Mello fought Sarah Morales. They're like, Vanessa Mello sucks, though, and she's 10 8 in every single round, Shaq. I'm like, guys, this person should never, ever, 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 ever be minus two, whatever. I feel the same way about Alexa Kamara. We'll see what happens on uh, tomorrow, though. Absolutely. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Diego Lima. He's 15 and 8. He's taking on Matthew Immortal Brown, who's 22 and 18. Currently, they got Diego Lima minus 180. The comeback on Matt Brown is plus 168. So there's a lot of history here. Obviously, uh, Matt Brown beat Diego's big brother, Douglas Lima, in someone's basement in Kennesaw, Georgia. If y'all ever get the chance to watch that Matt Brown versus Douglas Lima fight, it was an absolute crazy brawl, like 20 minutes from us. Um, man, it was such a good fight. And that was like over 10 years ago. So they had that history. And then I heard Matt Brown and uh, Diego Lima actually trained for a little bit. So they're actually cool. They're friends. Um, this is an interesting spot in both of their careers. Because look, Matt Brown, one of my all-time favorite fighters. I fucking love Matt Brown. How can you not? I mean, most finishes in welterweight history. Just It's just such an exciting fighter, especially in his prime. I mean, the things he did to Wonder Boy, to Douglas Lima, to Jordan Meehan. Eric Silva, et cetera, et cetera. I love those performances. Um, the Pete Cell fight, you guys got to watch that if you want to see violence. Um, and then with uh, Diego Lima, I think it was a case where when he first started off his UFC run, you know, he kind of had the, pres the pressure of being Douglas's little bro, and I think he kind of faltered a little bit. You know, his head wasn't on straight. I mean, he's got the body. He's got the big left hook. He's got the calf kicks. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I just think he didn't, tr he didn't quite believe in himself. But it's interesting because he, he did two stints on the Ultimate Fighter, Diego did, and he's actually undefeated in the house. It's just when it came to the finals, he'd lose both of them. But in the house, Diego Lima is a problem. So maybe the apex, you know, he has a he has a good result there. And I know that last fight, Bilal literally walked him down and did some stuff to him. But man, Diego, you know, he, he could have looked for a way out in that fight and he didn't. And I respect that. And he even, you know, landed some nice low kicks. I saw those low kicks being effective in the Baeza fight. Listen, Matt Brown is one of my all-time favorite fighters, but Matt Brown is 40 years old. And even if I think he's got more heart, even if I think he's more aggressive, I just don't think that he can take the same damage that he used to be able to. And even in his prime, there were some question marks about how he takes these body shots. And he had never truly been knocked out by punches. I know a head kick by Donald Cerrone, um, but like he hadn't been knocked out by punches until the Baeza fight, if I'm not mistaken. And now I start to see that durability start to wane. Now Carlos Condit's is putting on takedown clinics against my boy Matt Brown. I know Matt Brown would disagree with that. He thinks he won that fight. All respect to the legend. I'm going to just go with Diego Lima by being the younger, fresher guy. I think he chops him down with calf kicks and maybe finds a left hook finish along the way. If not, it'll be, a, uh, it'll be kind of a close decision. So I'm going to go Diego to get it done. Yeah, I just don't see any, uh, like, where, how better this could go for Matt Brown. I think this is uh, a lot for a lot of guys on this card, actually. Um, 
look, Father Time's, you know, it, it, it's it's coming upon them. You know, he's 40 years old. He's fighting Diego Lima, who, you know, 500, I'm assuming he's got a 500 record or somewhere around there. But I do feel like the performances have been getting better. Um, he knocked out Chad Lepree. He took care of business against Court McGee, who's a very tough guy, similar style, pressure, um, come forward, good cardio. And, and actually, Matt doesn't really have good cardio at this stage in his career. But, yeah, Matt Brown, I just see all the skills diminishing, to be honest. I mean, look, he got... I'm assuming he, he he was already retired. He unretired. I'm assuming, um, you know, because he, I mean, look, six-figure paydays, I, I get it. You know, it's um, hard to turn down. But um, he beat Ben Saunders, who, I mean, if you can't beat Ben Saunders, uh, you know. But then after that, man, the Baeza fight was a spirited performance. But, I mean, we saw how that ended. And then we, like you said, now I feel like the rest of his skills are diminishing their wrestling um, just his transition, like his transition, he just staying on top, really not doing much. I mean, Conde, honestly, that that was an old man fight between two faded legends, and and Conde was chilling on his back for a good. And I do disagree with the thirty twenty seven because I actually, when I heard the cards, I was actually surprised myself. I was like, damn, that was a thirty twenty seven. It seemed like it was one to one. Day, you know, Matt didn't really do much on top, so I I, I under uh, understand it for that uh, way. But I see Diego Lima, honestly. Might be one of the lock of the nights, man. I feel like there's just too many factors going in his favor. The youth, um, he's got different ways to win. Diego Lima can also been known to hit a couple of takedowns in his career. You know, um, he can hit the switch up and and start wrestling Matt and just make him tired at 40 years old. His body can only take so much. His chin can only take so much. His legs can only take so much. His ribs, that soft, soft midsection can only take so much. I just don't, unless Matt knocks him out with an elbow clean, but guys, when's the last time Diego Lima got knocked out? It's been a long time, man. I feel like uh, we can trust this guy to at least, you know, avoid a, a, a one-punch stiffening KO like how he did in the past, but at the same time, he was fighting guys like Tim Means and and uh, Jing Leong. I mean, I don't know if you saw what my boy Jing Leong did his last uh, his last fight, but he put Ponzi Mibio out stiff on the canvas, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I think... Uh, I got Diego Lima here. I'm actually saying about like a, a an accumulation, like like even though he's a low volume guy, I see the calf kicks, you know, really be becoming a big factor here. Um, he landed a bunch against uh, Bilal Muhammad in that fight, and I just don't see Matt Brown being able to handle that type of pain at this stage, man. Um, uh, you know, Matt Brown was one of the better welterweights to do it, but he hasn't. I mean, if you like, what's his record in his last like eight or nine fights? I mean, like he's forty years old. Exactly. So. I'm going to go with the Diego Lima up here by a vicious, vicious finish. Oh, shit. Vicious finish. Let's see it. So next up in the middleweight division, we got a match between Wellington Terman. He's 16 and four, and he's welcoming Bruno Blindado Silva, who's 19 and six, to the UFC. So we've been waiting a long time for this debut, Shaka. Currently, they got Bruno Blindado, minus 122. The comeback on Wellington Terman is plus 112. Guys, if you're expecting... Bruno Bulldog Silva, you're you're expecting the wrong guy. This is up at 85s, and Bruno Blindado, he's a Brazilian fighter that you know trains at Evolucio Tai, you know, with Francisco Trinado with uh, Joaquin Silva, and he went to Russia. He actually won the M1 belt. He beat Alexander Shlomenko by knockout, which is a huge deal, and then he beat Artem Frolov by fourth round knockout, which is also a huge deal. So those two wins right there. Were big. He had a lot of momentum going into his UFC debut against Deron Wynn. 
And then <laughs> the bottom fell out from under him. You know what I mean? He tested positive for something. He's been out for two years. We were at you and I were supposed to see his debut against Deron Wynn in South Carolina, but then it ended up being Deron Wynn versus Eric Spicely. They ended up getting fight of the night. So, you know, there's a lot of questions about the layoff, about the USADA suspension, and then Wellington Terman, very good at taking the back. He's a young fighter. He's hungry. He's trying to get better. Now, in, if I'm going to bring up the two-year uh, USADA suspension, I also want to bring up that Wellington Terman, he mentioned in his interview that he had a severe case of COVID where it like lasted like six months where he has, he was dealing with all kinds of symptoms. So I don't know how he's going to look, but I, I just know that he's a young, hungry kid. So I, I do expect a better version of um of Wellington Terman, despite what happened in his last fight and despite the COVID thing. Um, so here it's an interesting thing because in 2016, if you watch Bruno Silva's last fight, Shaq, I mean, excuse me, his last loss, Shaq, it, it was like very alarming. It was like he was easily getting taken down against a job or two, wasn't getting back up, was gassing out, was doing all these things that you're like, man, like what the hell for a guy that trains at Evolucion and then after that fight, I, I don't know uh, if he got a new doctor, if he changed his Flintstone vitamins, because he comes out those next few fights looking a lot bigger. His, his get-up game is on point now. Um, so, look, the only things I'm worried about here on the Blindado side is if, you know, the two-year layoff, you know, he comes in here with a lot of emotions, he gasses out, he starts giving up bad positions on the mat. Obviously, that, that's what I'm most worried about here. But aside from that, if you give me the guy that fought that fought Artem Frolov and um, Alexander Slamenko, or even a better version of that, I think that he can get back up to his feet. And I think that from there, he's gonna he's gonna put it on uh, Wellington. One thing about Bruno is he's a very durable guy, and he fights with a lot of heart, with a lot of spirit, and he's gotten better. So hopefully, we still see that version of him. Got questions with the two-year layoff? Looks in great shape. We'll see what happens. I'm gonna go with Bruno Silva to get it done in his long-awaited UFC debut by knockout. Yeah, this is a tough fight, man, because uh, Terman, you know, he, he's in a tough spot. He's a young kid, he, and look at his first three fights in the UFC, man. I mean, I, I respect uh, I respect this kid a lot. He's 22, 23 in that range. He's fighting, you know, Roberson might not be the best, but, I mean, Roberson's got a lot of experience. Um, Marcus Perez, who's got some wins on his resume. And, uh, you know, his last was Sanchez, who, you know, top, you know, 30, 40 guys, so... You know, I think uh, Wellington Thurman, I feel like this honestly is a more doable matchup for him. Bruno Silva, uh, no, Bandaro Silva, you know, yeah, he had a lot of hype coming in a couple years ago, but it's not a couple years ago. It's two years later. We know what happened. He had the USADA suspension. Um, I actually do, like, uh, yeah, I, I, but I buy this thing. Like, when you look at some of those Russian fights, I, I think it's pretty clear that, like, Buddy was definitely on that sauce. And, um, and, I, and I feel like, you know, maybe not to put like that much emphasis on it but um at the same time man he's got, he's got two two whole years to figure out you know how he's gonna you know approach his situation in the ufc uh so let's see let's see on uh, you know i looked at his instagram he's taking pictures with doctors and shit so let's see uh let's see how he um let's see if he got any new methods or anything like that but as far as thurman goes i actually think this kid's got a lot of potential man i just think he needs a some better direction i don't know if it's his coaching staff in brazil but when i look at him i mean the kid's strong as hell like his his uh clinch on the back like that's what i'm more so, uh 
so concerned with uh, Bruno Silva. Is he going to be ready to, to grind in the clinch? Is he going to be ready? Is that cardio, is that physical condition going to be ready for three uh, hard rounds? Not saying that Wellington Thurman's this, uh, you know, super pace pusher or anything like that, but, you know, he has been fighting more recently, and although he's got that, you know, COVID case, uh, I mean, he is the much younger guy. I expect him to uh, to just, you know, <laughs> power through the things like that, man. He's, is he still over 25? Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he is. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I feel like this is going to be a back-and-forth fight. I feel like uh, Blundell will probably touch him up in space. Wellington's a very naive. He's very, you know, that Sanchez fight, he kind of just had no respect for Andrew Sanchez. Andrew Sanchez never had a never had a uh, knockout, if I'm not mistaken, prior to that. Um, but at the same time, Andrew Sanchez is a guy that's been in there with the likes of Marvin Vittori, Phil Hawes, um, Barry Alt. Um, I, mean, I mean, Sanchez is out there fighting, you know, very tough guys. Um, and, you know, although I give a Blendow a lot of respect for fighting those um, those Russians on his local scene, man, sometimes that can be inflated, man. Um, Shomenko is not the same guy that he was, you know. Uh, I, I think at the time he beat him, he still had a little something left. But, you know, uh, you know, then apparently Nate Landwehr was beating the Russians too. I'm just, I'm just talking shit. But, no, I got a... I'm going to go with Wellington Thurman here, man. I think he's just going to be the more physical guy, capitalize in the clinch, and just kind of scrape out a win by stalling out and being the stronger guy, getting the better of the grappling. We'll see if he can avoid the knockout this time. though. Yeah, I mean, that's his path. And let me just say this, because on the topic of is Bruno going to look the same or not, so you you mentioned the pictures he's been taking with doctors, and I'm going to mention this. That camp, they got a history of their guys – I mean, Trinado's like 44. He ain't been aging one bit, you know? Trinado, I mean, like, Trinado actually left there. Um, he's a, He lives in Miami now. What, what, what's he doing there? But look, he was still he was still there in his 40s, you know what I mean? So he was still kicking ass while he was there. It, it, so it's one of those things where those guys know about anti-aging. So I'm very curious to see if, uh, you know, if Bruno looks like the guy that I saw in Russia because, you know, I, I get, you know, the, the joke about Landwehr because Landwehr was fighting kind of, you know, lower-level guys, but, like, you know, Bruno knocked out Shlomenko and Frolov. That, that was like a Frolov was the fucking M1 champ. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Julian Erosa. He's 25 and 8. He's taking on Sung Woo Choi, who's 9 and 3. Currently, they got Sung Woo Choi minus 140. The comeback on Julian Erosa's plus 130. So, man, Sung Woo Choi, you already know, bro. He's had to swim with the Sharks since day one. I mean, when they give you your UFC debut and it's like, hey, here's Mosar of Loyev, you know, and then your very next fight, you fight Gavin Tucker. I mean, yeah, it's tough luck, but man, goes in there against a Suman Mokhtarian, destroys him, and people are giving shit for going to decision. Guys, one thing about Suman, he might not have many skills, but he's good at getting that butt whooped. I mean, even in that Sodiq fight, he didn't go down. It was a standing TKO, so Suman can take a whooping. And then that next fight against Zalal, people think Zalal's this hot prospect, and Choi showed the goods in that fight. So now I'm curious, Shaq. Because I know Arosa's finally, he's paid his dues. He's such an experienced guy. He's getting these big wins now. Do you think Arosa can set him back, or is Choi finally, you know, reaching his potential here? Yeah, this is a good fight, man. This is one of the fights I'm, I'm looking forward to the most because I feel like Choi honestly has a lot of untapped potential. I mean, just look at the size of this kid for 45. I mean, and just look at him. I mean, he's got good uh, technique, like just good fundamentals with the with this uh, tie boxing. Like his takedown defense is getting better. Uh, we saw in the last fight. He even hit a takedown of his own. I feel. 
I truly believe that the Mazvar fight was almost detrimental for the to Tucker fight because I mean when you watch that Mazvar fight, Mazvar literally grinded him in a way, and you know he also kicked him in the head while he was down too. Um, <laughs> you know Mazvar lost the point for that. So like that was a nightmare fight for my boy Sung Woo Choi. He got beat up, and I think the Tucker fight fought another black belt. I feel like it kind of just trickled over into that one. Um, but he bounced back nicely. Look, Arosa has been doing his thing. I mean, I got a lot of respect for Julian. I, and I should have had a lot more respect for him for a while. Just because look at his strength of schedule, man. I mean, I mean, we're talking about Jamal Emers that he knocked out. He's been in there with Grant Dawson. He's been in there with Devontae Smith. He's been in there with, uh, you know, if I want to say land where, um, you know, he's been in there with a lot of good guys. There's a couple. There was one more I'm missing. I just can't think of it right now. But, um. Julian Arosa is a very tough guy, long. We know his weakness is that he does get wobbled. He does get dropped. He fights with his hands down. I actually think he, the Landward fight, I can't necessarily consider that a drop. I know a lot of people were saying Landward dropped him. Um, I rewatched it. I can't, it was brief. It, yeah, like he fell. It was brief. But look, Nate Landward, I don't consider that guy anywhere near the level of striker technique-wise, power, physicality, as Sung Woo Choi, like, at all um nate landward i mean it's look uh, from what we can see guys can tie time the knees on him very easily but nate landward was just severely overhyped i remember when nate landward mazvar like that was a real beef at one point you know, man oh, thank god for his sake that never happened but as far as julian arosa look julian's a dog he's tough he will fight with his heart he moves forward i have a lot of respect for him but at the same time i think sung Woo Choi has the way I'm seeing his progression is I, I, I think that now he's that he's more comfortable here. You know, he's got another camp. I mean, just look at the size of him again, man. Uh, I have a feeling that this guy's going to start being more comfortable, just letting just letting his strikes, letting his offense go more, just feeling more comfortable in there. And I, and I see this being more of a three-round fight than, you know, a sloppy brawl like Arosa's last two fights against an inexperienced kid named Sean Woodson and an overrated guy named Nate, Nate Landwehr. I think he in this fight, he's just going to be outmatched here, man. I just think when they stand toe-to-toe, -to -toe, the technique difference, um, the defense just – yeah, the strength in the clinch, I feel like he's going to have to fight more aspects like in the clinch and, and things like that. So I'm going to go with Sung Woo Choi. I'm not saying he should be a bigger favorite, but I just feel like he is the higher, the more higher ceiling fighter, man. I, I know Julian, everyone loves Juicy J. The juice is loose. I get it. You know what I'm saying? You know, they, they you know, they're going crazy because Julian, look, Juicy's had a, a tough road, man. The kid takes tough fight after tough fight after tough fight. And I, and I got nothing but respect for him, but Let's not forget that this guy is a somewhat of a liability. Sung Woo Choi is not a liability. Sung Woo Choi was just a little overmatched in the grappling in those first two fights. I think he comes out here, and I think he puts a clinic on Arosa on Saturday. Got to give a shout-out to our boy, uh, Nicholas West. Thank you so much for donating $10 to the channel, man. That truly means a lot to us. My that, boy, Nick. You know, that you do that. So thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. And I agree with you, Shaq. I, I got Sung Woo Choi here too. Look, now y'all can give me shit because I do tend to pick against Land, uh, uh, not Landward, but uh, Erosa in like every single fight. So maybe I'm biased against him, but I really do respect him a lot. I think he's super tough. I think he's paid his dues. I mean, the guy has, you know, over 30 fights and he really is a badass. Um, and he's pretty damn skilled everywhere. The only issue with him is that he fights with his hands down. 
his chin ain't quite the best. He's been knocked out multiple times. He's been knocked down a bunch of times as well. Um, and that's the big concern here because Sung Woo Choi, you know, I know those first two fights didn't go his way against, you know, t- two top 15 opponents. But now, you know, we're taking those step backs and we're seeing how he's performing. He did great against Zalal. He's a very physical guy because one thing Julian Arosa that he usually has going for him, man, is that he's the big guy, right? He's the six foot one guy. But now... But he's kind of skinny, right? But now with Sung Woo Choi, he can match that height, but he's got the mass too, man. So he's a very physical guy. And as he starts to, you know, get a little bit older, as he starts to mature, I think we're going to start to see some better performances from him. So I'm going to go with Sung Woo Choi to get the biggest uh, biggest win of his career and also have the best performance of his career. So Sung Woo Choi is my pick. Featured bout in the Bantamweight division. We got a rematch a long time in the making, Shaq. We got Marlon Chito Vera. He's 18 and 7. And he's taking on Dangerous Davy Grant, who was 11 and 4. Currently, they got Marlon Chito Vera. Well, it depends where you look because now I see minus 200s. I'm starting to see a little minus 185. So we're starting to get below the minus 200 mark. The comeback on Davy Grant is plus 165. So Shaq, I know you remember damn well when they fought the first time. I mean, we were talking about a Cheeto Vera that was training in Ecuador. He was so green, but he still had that fighting spirit. Then you remember Mark Goddard deducting points, like separating them in the middle of leg lock attempts. A lot of unfortunate shit happened. It was in the UK as well. Um, but, man, since that point, look look how far these guys have come along, man. I mean, Cheeto Vera, that fight was literally the catalyst and the turning point where he decided that, hey, it's time to move to the United States. And since that point, look at the fucking run he's on. I believe he's 9-4 and four since he moved to the States. And he's a ranked fighter now. So, literally, his move was the best, excuse me, was the best thing he's ever done for his career. And Davey Grant, man, you know, for a guy that we were saying is on his way out, this and that, that last performance against Martinez specifically, like, I was really impressed with that. And I know that he got dropped at one point in that fight. But aside from that, I thought he was taking it to Martinez, man. I thought his footwork looked impressive. I thought his hands were on point. And I thought he had that never say die attitude. So I was super impressed with how David Grant looked in that Jonathan Martinez fight, man. And, you know, he's a stud, man. He's hungry. And Cheeto Vera... You know, he won a round against Aldo. Not a lot of people can say that they won a round against Aldo. That's just facts, right? you got to be elite to win a round against Aldo. Now, as far as these two are concerned, man, I I see it being a competitive fight. It's just that, you know, Davy Grant did get dropped his last two fights, but, you know, you can can maybe maneuver and weasel around and come back against, you know, Martin Day and uh, Jonathan Martinez, who I respect Jonathan Martinez a lot. He's a stud. It's just one thing that Marlon Chito Vera is truly known for is that killer instinct. And if he drops you, I don't think he's going to let you off the hook. I think he's the guy that just has that killer instinct to go in there and finish the fight. So I see it being competitive until Vera hurts Grant. And from there, I see a Vera finish. So I think Marlon Chito Vera avenges this loss and gets back on a win streak. Yeah, this is a good fight. Davy Grant from the UK. I mean, he's been doing his thing. I remember the first fight in the O2. I mean, Davy definitely uh, gave him a vet lesson, definitely sent him back to Ecuador uh, with a beating. That was for sure. <laughs> but look, man, Davy Grant, the, the pop-off fight was all right, but the, the last two definitely, man. Look, the dude's fighting with spirit, man. I, I, I mean, the, the Davy Grant I used to know was just a guy who got tapped out by Stasiak. Manny Bermudez ran through him. Um, you know, that was, you know, Davey's always out. I mean, he really wasn't active much. But, I, you know, he actually kind of bought some light. He said that he would, for the first, you know, 
part of that career, dude said he was just injured half the time and he would just, you know, get in there because he, I mean, you got to pay the bills at some point. So, you know, you got to get in there. And, um, man, so maybe he's healthy. Maybe he's fighting a lot better. Look, he's got an awkward, an awkward boxing uh, style footwork. Uh, it's kind of hard to pick up on. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, at least the last two dudes, Martinez and Day, um, we're kind of confused by it, but just when I think of, you know, the, the task here that Marlon Vera has, and look, Davey Grant has shown that he's got power in his hands. We know he's actually one of the UK guys that can wrestle, but if there's a few guys, especially in the Bantamweight division, that you can count on to not get knocked out stiff, I think Marlon Vera's got to be like top two, three on that list in just terms of who can take damage. I mean, I've seen Marlon Vera take shots where I was like, God damn. Like, how is this kid still standing uh, when he fought John Lineker, when he fought, you know, Juiced Up, De Silva, De Andrade in Brazil, when he fought... Um, Song. Song. I mean, he ate some big shots there. O'Malley. Like, when it comes to taking shots... Now, look, of course, you don't want to take a purpose to go in here and take a shot on the chin from uh, from Davy Grant. But if he so happens to take one, I'm very confident that he won't go unconscious and that, uh, you know, he'll just keep going. It's just been too many shots... I'm not convinced that Davy Grant has more power now. I think he might have some tricky little setups that he's been catching these guys with the last two fights. So we'll see if Marlon. Um, but I, I have confidence in in the coaching staff, Jason Perillo. I mean, I don't really hype up too many coaches, but Perillo is one of the few that I actually. You know, I mean, like Perillo is a stamped motherfucker, like Bisping, BJ Penn. Um, like Look what he, he did with McKenzie, bro. Tito Ortiz, um, McKenzie, like, I mean, this dude, like, Perillo has a, like, championship track record. So, um, I, I, I got to – I'm going to go with Marlon Vera in this one, too. Now, from a betting side of things, look, is this the best point of Davey Grant's career? Yes. Have the last two knockouts been, <laughs> you know, spectacular? Yes. Is this the time to fade him? Who knows, man? Minus 200. Uh, against you know when he's at the best stage in his career, who knows? We'll see. Um, but I agree. I think that when Marlon Vera does hurt him, um, he will probably capitalize. But at the same time, you know Vera has played played with fire in some fights. But it seems like lately that he's starting to take care of guys that he should take care of. Um, you know we haven't really seen like a letdown like the De Silva D and fight. You know. Um, I think that was like his life. And he, I mean, he pretty much beats who he's supposed to beat, and he and he loses to you know who he's supposed to. Um, the Aldo fight, Aldo, look, Jose Aldo. I mean, Aldo still looks. Aldo, man, I was trying to tell him, man, man, Aldo still looks good, man. He still got some fight in him. I'm, I'm excited for that uh, Pedro Munoz fight coming up. We'll see who wins that one. But I mean, is Aldo, that a three round or a five round fight? I think it's three. Okay, so that that favors Aldo right there. <laughs> you know, uh, that's gonna be a close fight. But yeah, man, yeah. I think. Uh, I'm gonna go with Marlon Vera to, to get this done. To get this done, but I got a lot of respect for Dangerous Davy, man. He's dangerous. I mean, when he knocked out Martinez, I ain't gonna lie, I jumped out of my seat, man. I was like, holy shit, like that was that was impressive. <laughs> it really was, man. Co-main event of the evening in the heavyweight division, we got Alexei the Boa Constrictor Olenek. He's 59 and 15. He's taking on Sergey the Polar Bear Spivak, who's 12 and 2. Currently, they got Sergey Spivak. Minus 225, the comeback on Alexei Olenek is plus 190. So like I said at the beginning of the show, this is an interesting kind of fight because firstly, Shaq, there's an 18-year age gap here. 
Alexi is 18 years old because normally we talk about uh, a 10 year age gap. Here we're talking about a goddamn near 20 year age gap. So that's really interesting. And then on the other hand, they kind of got similar styles, man. Like Alexei Olenek, he brought back the Ezekiel choke to MMA. He brought the schoolyard headlock to MMA. But then you look at Sergey's fights on the regional scene. He's going out there doing similar things. He's schoolyard headlocking his guys. So, And to take it a step further, you bring Sergey Spivak, this young kid in the UFC, and in two of his first three fights, he, uh, actually his first three fights, he fights top 15 guys. He fought Walt Harris. I know he got ran through, but hey, for, for an introduction to the UFC, then he fights Tai Tuivasa in Australia, I believe, or New Zealand. Submits him and has to fight Marcin Tybura, who's on the biggest streak of his life. And man, since that point, you know, I, I just feel like he's separated himself from the pack. You know, like like the Jared Vanderos, the Carlos Felipe's, who I think are solid fighters, but are kind of oh, quite. Oh. Are, don't, don't disrespect my boy Carlos Boy Felipe like that. <laughs> disrespect him by saying he's a solid fighter. No, he's just a talking. solid fighter. I'm just talking shit. But like. You know, Vandera and, and Felipe, you know, they're solid fighters, but I, but I feel like Sergey kind of separated himself from the pack that, hey, he can actually be a top 15 guy. So now my question for you, Shaq, is that is he ready to pass this test? Because Alexei Olenek, I mean, we're talking about a guy that finished Mirko Krokop. We're talking about a guy that beat Fabricio Werdum. We're talking about a guy who's got 46 submissions on his record, right? But Sergey Spivak, he's, he's paid his dues, man. Five tough UFC fights. You think he's ready to pass the biggest test of his career here? Man, I think, you know, the fans kind of get the feeling how I feel about Sir. I mean, every chance I get, I have to, you know, give a Spivak reference because I'm very, very impressed with this guy, Daniel. I mean, we saw his uh, regional fights before he fought Walt Harris. You know, he was fighting Tony Lopez and, you know, some, uh, what's the other jobber heavyweight? Linderman, Linderman or Fulton or... Uh, you know, you know, one of them, jo those jobber heavyweights, uh, Dion starring, you know, you know who I'm talking about, but like, um, I think, uh, I mean, you know, he gets ran through in that fight. You want to talk about answering the call, man. You want to talk about being put in a corner. And I mean, he, after that fight, you would think he would probably try to get like a can somebody on his level. This dude takes a fight with a ranked guy again in Aust uh, New Zealand, Australia, wherever, in his entire two, he lost his home country and goes out there and gets the win. I mean, shows that he can make adjustments. When you see that fight start out, his calf got smashed with the first low kick. And what did he do? He made the adjustment. He started catching the kick and then he started, you know, getting the takedowns. And it was game set match after that. We turned that into uh, look. There's no shame in getting a vet lesson from my boy Marcin Tabora. Look, look at Marcin Tabora is out here well, on a five, six fight win streak. I mean, looking the best he ever has. Um, since the Sakai fight, my boy Marcin is out here whooping these dudes up, man. So um, there's no shame in taking a, a vet lesson at 23, 24 to Marcin Tabora. You just take it on and you move on. You want to talk about answering the call again? You get matched up with Carlos Boy Felipe, one of the uh, the higher volume punchers at heavyweight. And I mean, not only did he somewhat beat Carlos Boy Felipe at his own game in that first round, but what happened? He made another adjustment. He in that third round when it's one to one. Then he come out with a 10-8 third round. And then you already know what happened to my boy Jared Vandera. And that was another reason why I didn't want to write um, Jared Vandera off going into the um, into the uh, fuck. Um, Taffa. Justin Taffa fight. Yeah, my bad. Uh, the Justin Taffa fight was because he fought Spivak, man. Spivak is dialed in right now. Um, and Alexi, look. 
Alexi, I remember cashing a plus three thirty five uh, uh, on this guy against uh, Jared Roshaw back in the day. Um, back when Jared Roshaw was like the 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 uh, big uh, prospect at heavyweight. And uh, I mean, I, I love Alexi, but you know, my that last fight with Chris Dawkins pretty much let me know. I actually had a bet on Chris Dawkins, but it it showed me I showed him a little bit too much respect because when you just look at just when you don't look at his resume and just look at the fighting and don't look at the guys he's been in there with, the fighting, the skills, just the way he's going about his performances are getting worse, worse, worse. He's not evolving at all. And, I mean, look, this is what you expect from a guy with how many fights. I mean, he's fought in three different decades. Alexi Olenek has had a great career. I think it's coming to an end here very, very soon. I'm not going to say it's this weekend here to uh, – to Sergey Spivak, hopefully, you know, they let him go out with the win, you know, maybe re-sign Maurice Green so we can sub him uh, and, and, you know, uh, go out, you know, go out with the win or Stefan Struve, somebody, I don't know. Or tell, tell Curtis <laughs> Melender to put on a couple pounds. Yeah, Curtis Melender, hey, buddy, come come in at 220 and uh, let my boy Ellen come, come sub, sub you from bottom real quick. But, you know, I think... Uh, Dude, I I just think this is I don't see like kind of similar to Matt Brown. I just don't see how much where this can go for these guys. You've you've fought all these fights. You've had great careers. You but you guys are you know what somewhat mini legends of the game, man. And but now it's time to pass the torch over to these younger, eighteen years younger guys. And the reason I like this matchup, man, is the grappling side of things. I think it's all getting shut down, man. I think Spivak can grapple with them straight up. Like I think Spivak. I mean, if he wants to grapple, let's grapple, you know. Um, if he wants to box, let's box. You know, he's coming with the ugly, loopy punches. I feel like Spivak's shown the way he's performing in these fights that no matter what adversity presents itself, man, that he could deal with it. I mean, this guy's been put in the in, in the real deep and uh, um, at heavyweight. So, yeah, I think he's going to come out here and honestly just, like, ground and pound him or knock. I know he's not known for his, like, one-punch knockouts, Um but, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it happened here. It's, it is heavyweight. But where I really see this fight going, I see him actually beating him at his own game. I mean, like, just when they clinch, you're going to see a, a much stronger guy. The Ezekiels, we know. I mean, uh, Spivak knows that game. He, he's from Moldova. We, you know, we. I'm sure he went to Alexi's, um, you know, a couple seminars, man. I mean, he, I mean, he watched, he watched, he probably watched Alexi as a kid, man. He knows everything. This dude probably knows that he, bro, half his moves are from Alexi. I, I got Spivak for the win here. Um, and, you know, I hope him and uh, Alexi can hug and, and, you know, raise his hand in the middle of the cage and all that good stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, look, I love Alexi. Such a legend, such a badass. It's just, you know, kind of a passing of the torch fight, you know, uh, the 18 year age gap. I really don't have much to add to what Jack said. I kind of think that they have similar styles. It's just one guy's 18 years younger and he's paid his dues in the UFC already in these five fights. And, you know, Alexi is towards the, the end of his career. So hopefully he doesn't get hurt too bad. He can come back, get a nice retirement fight. I just don't think this is going to be it. And I got to go with Spivak as well. Main event of the evening in the featherweight division. We got the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. He's 16 and 6. He's taking on Dan 50K Ige, who's 15 and 3. Currently, they got Dan Ige minus 125. The comeback on Chan Sung Jung is plus 105. This is a really tough fight for me to call, Shaq. And the reason why is this. Um, so I'm not ready to count out the Korean zombie just because of one bad performance. Now, it's just a question of was that a sign of things to come that, you know, he's taking too much damage and now he's going to have more letdowns or did he just have a bad flight to Abu Dhabi? I know it's, you know, fighting at 4 a.m. must be tough. But and also he fought Ortega, who's the number one contender who, you know, is about to fight Volkanovsky. Right. So um, 
I'm just not ready to count out the zombie. Like, because there's been times where, you know, he lost to Aldo and people count him out. He comes back and wins the next fight. The the fight with Yair, he's looking great the fight. He gets starched. Zombie's been starched and come back plenty of times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I just, um, I'm not trying to count out a guy like Zombie at all, man. I I still think that he can surprise a lot of people. My issue is this, man. So obviously Danny has been looking fantastic. He's been doing his thing. Um, But man, I heard their media day interviews and I was really wanting to come in here picking Zombie because I think it's this possibly a 50-50 fight. I don't like what I heard from Zombie, man. I, I really don't. And, I, and I'm such a huge fan of him. You know, he was talking about how, bro, like, I, I just want to take a co-main event fight. Why do I have to keep fighting these main event fights? And I'm thinking to myself, like, like Zombie, like you're a main event fighter. You've been a main event fighter for the last decade. What are you talking about? Then the other thing he said was, hey, if I lose this fight, then I can just be another exciting fighter like Nate Diaz. And I'm like, Zombie, you've been an exciting fighter for the last decade. Like, like, what are you, like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, so I, is he kind of excusing himself for this loss that's going to happen Saturday night? That's what I'm worried about. Because with Dan Ige, I think he's tough. I think he's durable. I think he hits hard. He's got a good ground game. Now, the blueprint's been laid out on how to beat Dan Ige. Um, Julio Arce showed it, and Calvin Cater showed it. A guy with solid hands that can keep the fight standing can can put it on him and. Zombie has those traits, man. Zombie can come out here and emulate somewhat of the Calvin uh, Cater game plan, but with his own little spin on things, you know, and Calvin's a little bit more, excuse me, Zombie's a little more well-rounded than Calvin. He's got that nasty uh, submission game to go along with it. So, I mean, I'm not counting Zombie out at all, but then you hear the interview on the Ige side and, you know, his wife just had their first son and Ige sacrificing time away from the son because his dream is to be a world champion. Like, those are the things I like to hear. So, I lean towards Ige, but I am not confident at all and i'm not ready to ride off the zombie and zombie's the kind of guy that can surprise you when you least expect it right when you're counting him out he's gonna have a memorable knockout where he launches someone's head into the fifth row he'll be the first guy to get a twister in ufc history zombie finished dustin Poirier. zombie is a legend of this sport um and he's got all my respect in the world i, I slightly lean eager because of those mentions i reason uh, those those reasons i mentioned but let, let's see let's see because I, I ain't counting this guy out at all yeah, man, it's a tough fight because, you know, I kind of suck at picking Danny Ige fights. Um, and, you know, just because I do see, like, somewhat of a limited skill set, I mean, he's high percentage, man. I mean, his power is big, and um, he can grapple as well. Um, man, it's a tough fight because, look, I can see the damage adding up for Zombie. Maybe maybe that is true, man. We have to come to the reality sometimes with some of our favorite fighters. Like, oh, man, <laughs> might uh the chin might be gone, man. Who knows? But, um, I mean, look, that is a re- that is a realistic possibility here. I mean, Zombie has been fighting for a very long time. He's been taking damage for a very long time. Um, and Ige is a, a, a lot fresher. Um, and, he, and he might be more hungry. My, my concerns is how do we know that Dan Ige is really prime time? Is he really ready for the go? What happens if this fight goes more than just a, a quick, you know, first round uh knockout you know who's tougher down the stretch who's tougher when both guys are bloody we don't know i i i know he went five rounds with calvin but i did see a guy that it seems like if he knows things aren't going his way that he's got no problem with shelling up and kind of you know he'll flop to his back and uh things like that which is you know i guess smart in terms of you know surviving and things like that but you know the reason i bring that up is if this becomes a dog fight if this becomes a fire fight down the stretch i know for a fact um one of them is not pulling guard and and is not uh is not gonna shell up and back up and, and drop to knees and and things like also, that Shaq, 
Shaq, not not to cut you off, but do you remember how like there was a little stretch there when Ige would gas badly in round two of every fight? Don't yeah. do that against Zombie. Yeah, you know, so what I'm getting is like I get it, it. It would seem that things are starting to trend towards Dan Ige's way, but this is where I come back to. I, I don't really consider him a prospect, but like there there needs to be a certain amount done before we can really say Dan Ige's turn, you know, is really, you know, ready to be in the top 10. I mean, I know he knocked out Gavin Tucker, and if he knocks out Zombie that quick, then you know, props to him, then, you know, there's nothing else, uh, you know, we can say. But uh, my concern is if this becomes a back-and-forth dogfight, does Dan Ige have the ability to dig, dig deep? I know he dug deep against um, Edson Barbosa, but, um, Daniel, um, I don't know if you know this, but Edson Barbosa ain't exactly known for digging down deep. And that's no offense to Edson. That's more so – that's not, like, due to – I'm not saying he's got a bad heart. That's just due to – his physique and you know he's a i mean he's an explosive striker like the dude's gonna you know fatigue you know things like that but um i think that that's what i'd be more concerned of i i see it a 50 55 i'm gonna go with zombie because you picked uh dan ega i say zombie by like third or fourth round knockout um but you know i see man zombie man it, it couldn't man if he gets knocked out in the first round man i might cry for real man because that'll be really sad <laughs> no you know, Ige is the guy, the type of guy to do that. Like, he's looking for that one, you know, punch, knockout. I mean, the dude's very short, very explosive. So I give him a lot of credit as well. But um, I think I kind of outlined where I see both guys having the advantages. So I'm going to go with Zombie. Uh, I think he is the underdog, right? I mean, Zombie, Zombie's the underdog. It seems like they're buying that Ige Kool-Aid, but I get it, man. You know, my boy, my boy Zombie kind of let everyone down that last fight. The other thing I'm concerned about is that now, correct me if I'm wrong, but he he stopped training at Fight Ready. I know he's still cool with the oh. guys. Oh, he's there. He's in Arizona? Yeah. Okay, okay. that's what I like to hear. Because the Ortega fight, he didn't because the COVID no, travel restrictions. Yeah. It was COVID, the but COVID, not for this COVID one. travel restrictions, he wasn't able to go there. So maybe we see that explosive zombie we saw in the Moicano and Edgar fight. Dude, I would love nothing more to see that. And that's not because I have anything against Dan Ige. I think Dan Ige is the man. It's more so, you know, hey, I'm a Korean zombie fanboy, man. I mean, his first fight with Leonard Garcia to this day is one of the most exciting fights of all time, man. The Dustin Poirier fight. I mean, you were there when he launched Moicano's head. And, I mean, you know, in Greenville. Yeah, I, I brought out my catcher's glove. We tried to catch that head, you know what I mean? But uh, I was like, where is it? <laughs> Oh, it flew over my head, but no, like zombies is, is the man. And, and you know what? You know what's interesting, Shaq? Let, let's let's let them know about this too. So, Korean Zombie was headlining that card against um, Moicano, and guess who fought on the undercard? Dan Ige fought Kevin Aguilar. So it's amazing how they come full circle. Two years later, Ige man, worked yeah. his way up to the main event Ige, spot uh, with Korean Ige. Zombie. Yeah, Ige had a, a severe ass whooping that night on uh, Aguilar. That was brutal. <laughs> There was, was an underdog there, too, interestingly. So, yeah. Ige's paid his dues. Zombie's a legend. Man, let's see what happens. Because one thing I know is this fight will be exciting. Tell me the last zombie fight that wasn't, you know. So, that's all I can say. Now, uh, normally we do the fight to watch, fighter to watch, but we got to get out of here. want to thank all our fans. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us, no matter the occasion, no matter the day, short notice, late notice, whatever the case may be. You guys are fucking amazing. Follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. 
Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We truly appreciate it. We'll be back next week for the next card as well. Shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com, code BATTLE20. And, guys, just thank you so much again. Everybody enjoy the fights. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.